Welcome to Raised on D&D podcast. Each month, Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews with tips and strategies to enrich your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a game master for 30 years and father to three gamers. Here is Nick Carterelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest currently resides in Indiana. She's the publisher at Playground Adventures, vice president of LWD, the makers of Hero Lab, a game design freelancer and advocate for women and children in gaming. She's currently working on some exciting new apps that help track initiative and combat statuses for some of today's popular systems. Just turned in We're No Heroes, the first installment of the Starfinder Adventure Path Fly Free or Die coming out in late 2020 and editing Playground Adventures next Creature Components book. Please welcome my very special guest, BJ Hensley. Hi, BJ. Hello. How are you today? Real good. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You have so many irons in the fire. You have so <laughs> yes. many projects going on. Always. Um, we're going to talk about all of those things. Um, the listeners want to get to know you a little bit more as a gamer. So can you take us back and tell us how you started playing Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games? Oh, my gosh. So I must have been four, maybe, yeah, four, somewhere around four. I was very young, maybe even three. Uh, and I was young enough that, you know, I, I, I really just rolled the dice and sat at the table and see people would be like, what do you do? I bite it. <laughs> I was, uh, I believe my first character was like a, a panther, wolf, something. It was something like that. It was some kind of critter. I think I was someone's companion. Um, sometimes I wonder if maybe I invented that because I, I did use that later as my, for my kids. They, they were later started out. Their first characters were often companions of adult characters, but I'm, I'm really pretty sure that's where I got it was the very first adventure that I played, but I was so young and I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, I rolled dice. And I remember the old hex maps and the, you know, the black and white books and, and the smell of the paper, um, the smell of the box that I'm pretty sure I nod on at one point. <laughs> <laughs> just their flashes, but that was that was probably my first uh, experience, and then that continued uh, throughout childhood. And I remember um, another memory from when I was very small, maybe oh gosh, less than ten, six ish, right? Maybe maybe seven. I was almost kidnapped by hippies. Um, <laughs> Because I was lured into their bus because their child played D&D and he invited me into play and we were camping at the time in the south and uh, they, they, they did they had this bus that they were living in at a campsite and, and the, the young boy that was there had the original books and he was like want to play D&D with me and I'm like yeah I love that game and so we were hiding in the back of the bus when the family decided to leave we were still back there <laughs> yeah yeah, it was, it was, I was almost kidnapped by hippies, but whether it was accidental or intentional, I can't tell you, but I do know that they did get stopped and I was returned, but I got to play D&D. &D. <laughs> and I, I have to be honest, I might get into a van right now if they said we're playing D&D &D in the back. So that I, might seriously, be a lot of and it's, the, it's the funniest story to tell. And I don't remember being scared or anything. So really it's okay to laugh about it. I, I D&D actually, you know, there's little kids, they're telling you don't get into black vans who offer you candy. Well, don't get into hippie buses that offer you D&D either. Apparently that was my kryptonite. So from a small age, I loved the game. 
I was just sort of allowed to do anything I showed an interest in. There was no, you're not old enough. You're not smart enough. You're not there yet. Um, I was probably a little bit of a unique child too, though. I mean, I, uh, I, I skipped kindergarten. I skipped other stuff. Uh, I, I was just always kind of intellectual from the get go. Um, just sort of into creative things and pursuits and stuff like that. And, and the adults were playing and I wanted to play. And so I was allowed to play. So BJ, when did you start role playing with peers on your own out, outside of the family? Uh, so I think I was really kind of a reclusive kid. I was kept at home a lot. Uh, so I was probably about 15 when I really, really got into it with, with other friends uh, and, and people outside of, of the home. And we played constantly. I mean, there was, you know, I think like most children who were into it at that age, there were certainly several, you know, several day marathon games. And, you know, we, we really had such a good time incorporating our own fun things into it because as children, one of the amazing things about being a child and, and as parents watching children too, is that they don't have limits. Nobody told us we could or couldn't do anything. So we had our fantasy world, but we also had other things we loved in it. Like, you know, Spider-Man. <laughs> and, and, and there was a, a magical artifact that was, uh, that was a symbiote of Loth that actually was a Spider-Man suit, basically, and it gave you the powers of Spider-Man. And, and we put that in our game because we could, and we loved it, and we enjoyed it, and nobody was there because there wasn't the internet to tell us that it was wrong, you know? We didn't have anybody going, oh my god, I can't believe you did that. So we just really immersed in it and enjoyed it. I remember putting, you know, bits from Stargate and, and other stuff that we saw, things, you know, from all over the world and all over television, all over comics and novels ended up in our D&D games. And they were a great deal more fun, I think, than anything I do today. <laughs> now, fast forwarding, you're a mom and you have your own gamers. So when did you introduce your children how old were they would you say when you started uh bringing them to the game table so i feel like my children sort of learned gaming by osmosis um we we did not uh, one thing i will advise most parents and i say this a lot anytime anybody asks me how do i get my kids into gaming don't force it on them tell them no uh, kids want to do the things that the adults are doing that they're not allowed to do so i would keep that in <laughs> mind but we uh, we started them gaming very young we started with stories so first it was bedtime stories everybody reads bedtime stories to their kids, but mine were a little bit more interactive. So even if I was reading them a book, I'd be like, well, what would you do if you were in this situation? And I, I don't know that I was thinking about it when it first started. I think it was just that was the way I was. That was my personality. So that's how I handled it. And then later it dawned on me that I was basically teaching them to game and we cultivated it a little bit more. And then my husband today uh, does knights and princesses stories where he asks them to pick three things and then he will tell a story based on those three things but along the way they get to interact and it used to be where they were supposed to be quiet and listen to the story when he would tell these but I had gotten them so bad about the role playing that they couldn't not interact they'd be like well my character does this like they don't know how to listen to a regular story anymore <gasps> but <laughs> They don't. It's terrible. And then when the adults would play, um, we would allow them to sit under the table. So they would build forts under the table and they would lay under there and they would color or they would play games. Or, and every now and again from under the table, you'd hear dun, dun, dun or something like that. But it was really mostly they were they were being very funny. Uh, and so they, I think, learned by observation, by listening, um, again, almost by osmosis. And 
And each of them would ask, you know, they would, they would sit, and my grandson does it today. He will sit in my lap when I am running a game and he will roll the dice for me. And he's two. He just turned two in March. Um, and, and eventually they would ask, can I play? And I'd be like, oh, you're a little young yet. You know, maybe, maybe next year, maybe, you know, a couple months or whatever. And eventually I would roll something up for them. And I'd be like, well, why don't you try being, you know, mommy's animal companion or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And so they'd sit and they wouldn't have a paper. They were, I mean, they, at most they might have like a small piece of paper. I think my oldest son, he was about four and his first character was basically a note card and it just had his name and some stats for a crazy squirrel. And that was it. You know, I mean, it, it, the stats were like, you know, crazy squirrel, you know, <laughs> roll this for damage, you know, like one D six, that's it. It was all very, very simple. So I think I was, uh, I, I've always been a game designer by nature and I just simplified it for them. Um, and, and they just, each of them fell in love with it in their own time. Uh, all of my children are gamers, every one of them. Uh, wow. Not a single one went a different way. Um, when they were, you know, five, six years ago, the, the littles, which I call the littles, are the three that are now 16, 13, and almost 11. Um, they were all in the backyard with sticks and swords, and I went outside and was told, you can't be out here. We are creating our own game right now. And they were creating their own little LARP game out there in the yard. I mean, I had, um, I have pictures from many years ago where they had all the books, you know, spread out in the living room floor and they were playing a game they had created called RPG Publisher. So my kids grew up in a very unique household in which I think it was almost impossible for them not to absorb and become what they were surrounded with. Uh, just, I think it was a given for them. That's beautiful. And it's very similar to my children. My children, by the way, are um, 14, 12, and 11. And Ooh. so they're little stair steps. Ours are too. We started with the bedtime stories, and mine always wanted their favorite characters from franchises in mashups. So I'd have like yes. Scooby Gang on the Starship Enterprise oh, interacting with the original series cast. And, uh, you know, <laughs> And I'm terrible at voices, so I'm trying to do these voices. And then they started injecting themselves into the stories and things like that. Um, oh, my gosh. So they've always been raised around the table. And, uh, and now great. growing up, the middle one, uh, my 12-year-old, he is, you know, the aspiring game master. He's writing his own modules. You know, those That's of my 13-year-old. He's like, <laughs> he's determined. He's going to do those things. He's... He's a handful, honestly. He was always so smart. They didn't know if they were going to have him do kindergarten or not. But then there was a shortly while they were debating that there was they put in this thing that they couldn't skip anymore. That was against the law. Now you couldn't skip grades. So he went ahead and did it. BJ, you're also a successful game designer and a yes. game writer. Um, yes. So you do freelance work for uh, Wizards of the Coast, for Peso, but you have your own line of role-playing games directly geared towards families and children. I uh, do. Playground Adventures. That um, is correct. Now, we're fans of Playground Adventures, and one of the things I like most about it, the fact that whatever system we like or we want to play in, we can use, because you have adventures for 
Hero Kids, mm-hmm. for Fifth Edition, for Pathfinder, uh, for Pony Finder. Am I right? <laughs> we do. Yes. yes, we are the only company outside of the owner of Pony Finder to do Pony Finder Adventures. I think we're the only person licensed to use the logo. That's what I love most of, about it is being able to pick what system we're very we want to use and and play those adventures. And then yes. um, we also like the after school adventures, which are a little more educational based. Um, We really enjoyed uh, the first module where we were learning chemistry and things like that because we homeschool our kids. Oh, fun and facts. Yes. Yes. You know, as homeschoolers, you should reach out to me because I, you know, after the show or at some point in the future. So we, I'm really bad about putting things up on our website and I, I now have all this free time off. No, I actually don't. I've got all my kids at home. I'm now homeschooling everybody and you know, it's it's a whole thing, but I am going to try to get more up online. So for a long time, we had a lot of those fun and facts that we only gave out to schools. So I have a catalog of about a hundred of those (laughs) that are never been sold to the public because we we use them in schools. We've, we've thought about just going not for profit actually, because playground is, Playground is my heart walking around outside in the world. It, it's oh. it's my gift to families like mine who couldn't find the right things to, to give to their children when their children wanted to to game. It's it's me sharing with the world everything I have learned over the years, watching my own children and helping them grow both socially and emotionally through using games. And mm-hmm. so it's we don't have a release schedule necessarily and we're we're really bad about that. And then we have so much material that I've just handed to schools but we've never actually published or anything. And I'm going to try to get all, a lot more of it out this year, but certainly if you need homeschool stuff, reach out and I'm happy to just give you some things for, for you to, to homeschool with your kids. That is awesome. Thank you. And uh, so a lot of our listeners are fans of Hero Kids, uh, family-oriented role-playing games. So tell us a little bit about Playground Adventures and, and how, it's, how it's different from some of the other games on the market. Um, so Playground Adventures as a company is different because it's very family friendly. There's nothing that you can't play with even probably your smallest children. Um, four and up is, is our, our thing. We do have an older kids line. So it's our 13 and up line. The only thing in it right now is our creature components line, which is weirdly popular. (laughs) And the only reason we call it, I think it's actually 12 and up. We call it our 12 and up books because, you know, it's about chopping up monsters and bits and selling their parts. And while that book was written for my son, who at the time was 10, um, and it's certainly good for like EverQuest type gamers, you know, it, it may not be ideal for everybody, but the rest of our stuff is, and, and even it is, it's very low key. I doubt that anybody would give it a rating of, of, you know, of 12 and up other than us. We wanted to be very, very cautious. But most of our books have things in it. So A Friend in Need, which is one of them that I worked on, uh, not just editing and layout and all of that, but I also wrote some of the book, is it's got advice for for gaming with children in it. And in it, it explains that while this is the battle, um, you know, here's the various tiers of how this could be handled for sensitive or oversensitive children or undersensitive or however you wanted to define it. Um, if you felt that your children were not ready to handle death, well, these monsters could just be defeated and disappear and glowy bits or whatever. There's plenty of different ways to handle things. And so I think that all of our books can be managed that way. So I think that's fantastic that in the game, you actually have the scaling uh, for different sensitivities. Because when I talk to parents who are trying to game master or are game masters themselves, they're, they're really talented game masters, but 
when they get in front of their children or their children and their and their uh, and their children's friends, they aren't exactly sure how much detail and and how much gore that kind of thing. So that's already built in. Is that is that right? Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we build in. So uh, a friend in need, like I said, is is the one that has uh, advice built in it and they all actually do they all have various sidebars and then we have a wonderland adventure path that sort of is it's really good for young gamers like young young gamers because uh, it teaches them bit by bit how to game so you start out and you're learning how to like the very first uh, path of that adventure is um a game board that you can print out and so they're learning about initiatives and initiatives and stuff by literally playing a board game and then it goes on to sort of help them a little bit with role playing and it helps them figure out the math and and so each each section of the adventure, each installment is basically without them realizing it, teaching them another aspect of role-playing games. Um, and they're broken up into very manageable chunks as well for smaller children or inattentive children or after school adventures are obviously meant to be done after school. Um, so I think that's good. And then we're actually working on and have been for several years, our own system, which we're hoping to have out this year. Uh, it's wow. called Uni. Uh, we call it UNI, U-N-I. It stands for the Ultimate Nexus of Imagination. Very good. Um, and it is a modular scaling system. So it is a system that starts out simple and becomes more complex so that it can grow with you as you grow. So you can play it if you're four, and you can play it if you're 100, and it will be the complexity that you need at the time. Wow, we're very excited to see that now. The UNI system, are we going to see a Kickstarter? Is that how it's going to get launched? So my my policy, which people find a little strange because I have run a lot of Kickstarters for this industry. I have a degree in marketing and a lot of people come to me to run their Kickstarters and, and, and we do great with them. Um, I don't have anything against Kickstarter, but my policy to this point has been that PG has been my passion project and my charity. And we have never done one to date. Um, given the current times, um, we are considering it. Um, we uh, we have supported and paid out of pocket and lost money on our company on purpose with with great joy many times over the years. And then, frankly, it does eventually make its money back, but it, it takes several years. Adventures are slow earners. Um, we we're really proud of the many adventures that we've sold and creature components. Uh, it thinking it made its money back out the gate actually we were very fortunate with that one it's been very popular um but yeah we we are considering a kickstarter i just i don't know for sure yet i my heart says i just want to be able to make it and and put it out there so that it's just there for people to find and for all the parents and the children and and the teachers that need it um but my budget and my husband uh, would, would like me to do something a little bit different this time around, I think. So So we may see a Kickstarter. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, we're looking forward to it and definitely uh, we'll be excited to support it and I uh, can't wait to play it. What advice would you give moms who want to start running games at their table for their families? No one knows if there's alcohol in your coffee at the table. No one but you. No <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I guess my best advice when running with kids is that if you just take a moment at the beginning and you take a deep breath 
and you remind yourself that you are going to be able to spend the next couple hours looking at the world through the face of and eyes of, of little individuals who haven't been told no, they can't. And instead of being frustrated by their decision to save the orc, um, realize that they're doing something new and encourage that. Remember, yes, and remember, yes, you can do this, but there will probably be some consequences, good or bad. Um, but never just say no. Try not to stifle their imaginations. Let them play. Let them run with it. Even if it's the wrong thing to do, the reality is this is imagination. There's no wrong way to imagine. I'm going to take that back. If your child is a little murder hobo and they're trying to kill all the other players in the game, it might be time to talk to them about their imagination, okay? But for the most part, there is no wrong way to play the game. <laughs> yes. No wrong way to play the game unless you're being a murder hobo and playing PvP. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. It is so, so easy to deter that in gaming. Everybody's like, I can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. What would you do in real life? Like, ground them. You can do that in the game. You can. So I was running a game once at, uh, I don't know, maybe Gen Con. Um, but at a, at, a, at a convention, I was running a game. And this, this young man at the table just wanted to kill everything, good, bad, or otherwise, and potentially his, his comrades as well. And so they were playing as children in the game. They were, they were older children, but still children nonetheless. And he was the son of the blacksmith. And so the blacksmith marched out and took that child home, and he had to spend most of the rest of the game sitting in his room while his friends adventured. When his father let him out of that room, he was a model player. So remember that there are things you can do in game. Um, you can you can dock experience points for poor behavior, but also remember that children respond better to rewards. So always remember if you're if you have a child that is showing amazing role playing skills, give them experience points. Give them an extra hundred experience points. Just something that says, look at this good thing. Encourage the thing that they're doing. And also remember that you're behind a DM screen. No one knows what you're rolling. Make it about them. Remember that your job as a GM is to help your players have the best time possible. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, BJ. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all the great and wonderful games that you've put out and are going to put out. We hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. I'm sure I will. I will be locked in my home with all of my wonderful children. 